Welcome to Crypto Risk Podcast. This is our first episode hosted by Crypto Risk Officer. We are actually a team of three seasoned risk management who came from traditional finance in global markets and investment banking, specializing in enterprise risk, uh, mainly at large investment banks. So with a capacity of global, regional and locations experience. So we have finally transitioned from the traditional finance into the crypto uh, exchange as a risk officer. What we try to bring for value is try to make this ecosystem safer and more secure and bringing our best practice in this field. First of all, I want to give a quick disclaimer. This is purely for educational purposes. It's not investment advice. And our opinions is only uh, ourselves and our views. And it's not associated to previous or current firms of employment. Let's dive down to the details. Um, for our podcast, we mainly focus on uh, risk events. Um, essentially, this is a crypto risk. We want to be very niche on our approach. So let's start with the first event. Uh, we've got our host, uh, Prab, Cliff, and myself, Robbie. So let's start with uh, events one. Okay. Uh, hello, uh, guys. I'm Cliff. I'm for the first incident, actually, uh, this recently in March, and it's related to uh, six to five million worth uh, stolen uh, crypto. Uh, one of them is uh, the ETH, and the other is the stablecoin USDC. And it's in uh, this hack is uh, into that uh, warning network and which is a side chain to, to support a famous uh, game file, ASCII Infinity. And actually most of the information I, I'm talking about is extracted from the, the blog and also uh, the tag in Asia with some of my personal comments. And I actually, uh, the developers at, at, at those uh, 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 ASCII Infinity mentioned that Actually, uh, they they discover the incident uh, six days later when when a user want to uh, withdraw five k ETH from from the bridge, but it was uh, unsuccessful, and also uh, there there were only nine validators on the running network, and five of them was being attacked by the hackers, so it's fifty one percent attack what we call in the crypto sector means that if over 50% of the nodes are, are controlled by some, some one single hacker or, or person, it will be uh, manipulated the whole blockchain. So, and actually the root cause of this incident was related to some, uh, some, uh, improper maintenance of some whitelist of some free nodes attributed to the ASCII DAO validator. So 
there are some controls to be improved in that. And I know the developer, they, they have some actions uh, to, to try to mitigate them uh, in the coming uh, few weeks. So that, that's to some summary uh, of this incident. So uh, any questions that Robbie or, or Pratt you, you want to ask about this incident or any further bills you, you want to sh uh, share? So Cliff, I'd be keen to get a bit more insight into um, what, or what if any actions you'd expect cryptocurrency exchanges should take um, in response to to this kind of event yeah and um, actually because this stolen uh cryptocurrency is uh in the DeFi, but for most of the what we could see is the exchanges should, should be alerted uh we have some regular dialogue with with those uh affected DeFi uh, platform to know at least uh, where the variant uh, wallet address of those hackers so that in, in case, because those hackers, when they uh, steal some funds in, in the DeFi platform, they, they, they need some uh, gateway to uh, to exit their the, the cryptocurrency stolen and change to fiat currency. So the exchange should at least have some controls to for example add some blacklist to those address when, when there are some alerts so that they can they can immediately uh alert others not not to block those uh, uh, withdrawal transaction or, or whatever transactions so that uh the hackers has no way to exit their stolen money so so that they, they may <laughs> at the end need to return back the the the, the, the stolen crypto back to the, for example, for this case, wallet network. That, that's my view, yeah. Yeah, I think it's important that, uh, you know, you leverage you know, the advantages of the blockchain, which is its traceability. So once there are known stolen funds identified on the blockchain, I think it's very easy to, to make it transparent and communicate that across the board. And yeah, uh, trying to isolate that and, and sort of and make sure it can't, can't be off-boarded through traditional exchanges is really important. I think what, what we did see is that, it, that the funds did start going through, um, I think you, you find these tumblers and mixers. I think Tornado Cash was one of the ones that some of the funds went through. I think after, after that, I think it becomes incredibly challenging to, to then track where, where the, the tokens are gone. I think another question I have is like around like to have such a significant amount unnoticed for six days, like what was that all about? Actually, for for this uh six days delay, uh, of course I I've no inside story of uh what Wooden Network uh has not done properly, but I I believe uh that delay was because likely. Uh, there were no such a good controls or procedures to at least uh, spot out any any hacker ways or any cryptocurrency being stolen from 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 their platform, and and of course uh, and alert I 
believe that because out of their network, their the platform, they, they have only uh, not uh, valid to Just based on my personal investment experience or on some DeFi, at least they, they have over a, a hundred or some to 150 validated this so that it is harder for the hackers to control to have some kind of this kind of uh, 51 percent attack so i, I think uh, as i saw from the tech page here the the the, the sky mavis the, the developer is going to add some more validators and, and to open up the applications for the additional validators so that uh, this 51% attack risk will be uh, much minimized. That, that That's my uh, opinion as well. Yeah, yeah I, I think it probably makes sense anyway. Um, the more uh, decentralized uh, of more uh, nodes to, to be built into the network definitely will avoid these kind of uh, issues. Um, well, having a very limited of node uh, then it's prone to to attacks for sure, definitely. But it's also highlights like this happened in broad daylight, and there's a whole community around uh, this project, and no one noticed that somebody's drained six hundred and twenty-five million. Like again, I think when it comes to decentralized finance, there are some questions that are being asked around. You know, obviously, if if you put your money in a bank, and six hundred twenty-five million dollars left somebody would notice so is it, i think find it's very interesting i think robbie we we also saw there was some all like I, I don't want to spread rumor but there was some suggestion that um the actual individual had, had taken you know taken the funds and actually tried to short it on an exchange i don't know if that was true i don't know if anyone was able to sort of uh, get get any more details around the validity of that um rumor um but it almost sounds like yeah somebody tried to take the assets, short it on an exchange, and then when the asset price didn't drop, they kind of lost a lot of money on their short trade, um, which uh, which I thought was curious. I don't know if that's true or not, but it's definitely an interesting kind of rumor that you heard on heard on Twitter. Yeah, yeah, I guess for, for, for tw Twitter stuff, I, I normally take things as a pinch of salt anyway. There's just so many things in and out anyway. So unless it's get really validated, it's, yeah, I, I, I keep that in mind anyway. But it's interesting for sure, definitely. So, right, uh, let's move on to the next um, risk event. So this event is actually happened on March uh, 18th. It's to do with Offender. Uh, Offender is basically uh, a, a company that the um, company outsourced to. Um, and this a particular firm was called HubSpot. HubSpot uh, is being used by many uh, firms uh, around the world, uh, particular for marketing and communication purposes, uh, because they have our client elements, how they source things uh, and make it more intuitively uh, for a sales platform um, and just make it easier for, for, for the team to navigate. And for this particular incident, uh, it was actually uh, insider, um, like a road, road for uh, employees who have lifted the data and extracted uh, the data and send it off to their personal uh, uh, storage uh, devices or so forth. 
But however, it could happen to any industry, but however, this is well-planned. Uh, and this um, ex-employee was actually focusing on crypto exchange uh, or crypto uh, sector. So the main, um, uh, well, there's actually impacted 30 uh, of these clients. So uh, I can just name a few. Uh, uh, Circle, BlockFi, uh, Nidec. So, so all these are all have been impacted in terms of that breach. At the moment, they are still investigating. Uh, so even if you look at the HubSpot, um, they are saying investigation is still ongoing. But however, uh, in my personal view is, this is related to a very big risk that the traditional finance are facing and also this, uh, this sector that we are in also facing. This is essentially, from a risk point of view, is normally called a third party risk. So third party risk, in short, it could be outsourcing risk as well in the old, uh, old wording. Uh, most of the regulators across the world, um, regions, they are upgaming this, this particular risk, third party risk. So that means where there's a service uh, or, or, or another agile way that you could use a tool uh, or you can outsource to another party, which they can, you know, uh, could cost basically uh, outsourcing and more efficient that they can provide that service. Then this is a form of outsourcing. Why is getting more uh, focused on outsourcing risk? Because for example, um, we're exchange crypto, we outsource to another vendor like HubSpot. And if they system, their controls got compromised, that will impact our, uh, our controls as well. So, uh, so that means, and effectively, there will be a lot of um, specific spare phishing, phishing emails. So not just like, like their customer, it's going to be there to, to Robbie. This is blah, blah, blah. So it's very direct and a lot of social engineering. And, and if these platforms get hacked or, or, or exported all the data, so the data could be fair sensitive data. It could be uh, our, our name, surname, uh, IP address, you know, uh, what kind of history that we start browsing for, for, for search. So there's a whole host of stuff that we need to be careful in terms of managing the third party risks. Um, so I just want to keep it short in that way. Um, so open for questions, guys. So Robbie, I have one question. Is, so once your data has been exposed, and, I, and I'll be honest, like I was personally um, impacted by this event, what do you suggest one should do to protect yourself? I mean, uh, in order to protect yourself from a, from a control point of view is, uh, obviously if, it, if it's personal data has been exposed, then, then the first thing is, we, we talk about uh, firm, firm, firm controls, not, not individual control. So for the firm's control is basically, you, you, you need to have a pool of um, data, internal data, uh, who were the people who, who are accessing these data or, or com communication. So for example, if it's a, a HR well, a related personnel, and then they need to be informed that there's this instance breach. So therefore 
they will be targeted in terms of more um, phishing emails directly to your name. Um, and the second part is need to be careful is you need to put controls in place. That means controls is when HubSpot contact you directly, you need to step back and verify and make sure these are actually the genuine people from HubSpot. Um, so, so making sure those control. And obviously um, most of the hacking uh, is, is done by you know, the, the weakest link anyway. So, so whatever link they provide and you click on it and, 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 and literally that, that's game over for, for, for most. Um, so, so I guess it's just be mindful uh, of, you know, of what, what you browse and, and making sure that if there's anything that's um, suspicious, escalated to your um, uh, CIO. Uh, and making sure the security teams are, are, are fully aware of it. And the, this cross-communication on both sides. And, and wh whenever there's an incident, um, you need to also in, need to inform the regulator as well, de depending on uh, whether you're a license exchange or, or non anyway. So it's a key thing that most of the regulators in these days are looking for. Yeah, I think fortunately on this occasion, the information that was exposed, that's been confirmed so far by HubSpot is was only name, first name, surname, uh, email address, and phone number. So these are things that are already kind of widely accessible. So it doesn't seem like it's too bad, but I think a couple of things that I certainly know that we did was around um, obviously tightening up the defenses, so the cybersecurity team, um, particularly for those individuals that are impacted, just review the thresholds at which you um, put your protective net around the organization and just dial it up perhaps for those individuals and i think also uh, it's always worthwhile doing just a broader uh, search on the dark web and seeing if any of your information is being um, exposed uh, or is for sale and i think that's some of these things but realistically i don't think there's a lot you can do i think the point is just the industry we're in the world we live in you just have to be constantly vigilant to to phishing attempts and yeah just try to uh be be careful because um yeah uh, people will always try to attack like you say the weakest link yeah uh completely agree uh it's something is a bau so so if people are not aware of this not educated enough they they may um fall into a uh, victim very easily anyway and and i guess it's, it's also part of the training uh from the cio making sure the uh, security training are up to date and making sure that they, they can also test them, uh, making sure they do really understand it as well. Right, shall we go on to the third uh, event? Okay, the one that I picked up this month is really a development of an incident that kind of started middle of last year in India around um, investigations by the tax authorities into half a dozen crypto exchanges. What we found at the end of last month is that um, the kind of the extent of exposure of um, crypto exchanges evading the good service tax um, has you know, been revealed to be twice as much. So I think it's now it's confirmed 11 exchanges were effectively evading um, the GST and the total kind of amount that's been recovered is 
north is about close to 12 million US dollars. So quite a significant um, amount of money that's been recovered by the, the tax authorities in India. I think one thing is worth pointing out is that the these were recoveries and uh, the actual fines were relatively limited. I think there seems to be some um, sort of you know acceptance of the explanations given by the exchanges that like there was a degree of ambiguity around um, whether um, the scope of the regime was not clear and, and I think so, some of the aspects around um, not non-resident uh, activity and whether that should fall within the scope of the taxation rules as well so I think I think the really kind of kind of key points to call out here are that uh, the trend you see around the world is the increasing um, as as, it, as crypto becomes more and more kind of mainstream, uh, uh, like people are starting to regulate it, tax it, um, and it just kind of you know, and there's more and more uh, you know jurisdictions around the world that are starting to tax this. I think in India, um, the, the good service tax, like eighteen percent tax, was was one. We've got the capital gains tax of thirty percent, and you've got the uh, tax deduction the source, which is also coming in 1st of July. So constantly evolving landscape, complex, and yeah, always helps to do your um, due diligence upfront, uh, particularly yeah, if you operate, uh, we, you know, across different jurisdictions and um, it's just something to be mindful of because like you, we saw in this case, um, these fines can can get pretty significant so it's worth being proactive about managing um, this kind of risk um yeah any other questions or anything for anyone yeah i, I, yeah. I, I think uh, we'll first. yeah yeah I, I i think so sorry cliff uh, i i think for, for it's not a question it's just just, just a uh, comment anyway so i think during the space uh as as you mentioned that uh, most of the regulators are looking to this space and each jurisdiction will have a different kind of regime how they want to tax tax it so uh, i mean as part of our uh, exchange uh, we we provide uh, client statements and and that's you know on a you know monthly basis daily basis and and, and within there the from from the jurisdiction we we have where is you know uh, we need to make sure that certain stuff get reported anyway. So that's also in line back to the you know how much they get taxed anyway uh, on that side. So uh, since it will be uh, you know the income generator for the governments, so definitely most of them will will look into it in terms of this space. Um, that's that's my two cents. But Cliff, uh, yeah, your turn. Uh, Sorry. Okay. Uh, actually, uh, perhaps I, I have a question that uh, I'm not sure whether, uh, in, you know, in, in the traditional finance, usually uh, that there are some CRS uh, common reporting standard for the financial institutions to to have some uh, mutual reporting of one jurisdiction to another, or there are some uh, mutual agreement between some countries. So what, what do you expect this kind of uh, uh, CRS will, will in some day be implemented in the crypto sector so that the exchange need to be uh, accountable for, for this kind of reporting requirements. Yeah, I, I expect the more mature exchanges are already getting ahead of this. 
and as part of their onboarding protocols are already collecting this information because um, as, as kind of Robin pointed out, the trend is clear. This is just becoming like any other asset and it will be taxed like any other asset and it will fall within the regimes in the same way that other assets do. So um, yeah, I think there's almost certain that this is gonna fall within um, the kind of cooperation agreements and of in relation to information sharing. And again, like helping to, um, you know, reduce, you know, uh, evasion of tax is something that we need to, to make sure is uh, robustly implemented across the industry to help, um, to again, make sure there's a clear perception, there's a clear, uh, clean market and, um, you know, regulated exchanges that uphold the laws and obligations in all of the jurisdictions which they operate. Um, so yeah, and I think there's a couple of things just to be also conscious around, like it is, there are still lots of ambiguities, like all the countries are taking different approaches, different interpretations, like here in India, um, it's clear that like crypto is not a currency, so they consider it as a good, so they hence they apply a good service tax. So this idea of cryptocurrency can be confusing, it's actually more, you know, we treat it more like a, you know, it's an, it's an asset. Um, other things to think about are things like, you know, you know, staking rewards, do those qualify? What if you get an airdrop? Does that qualify? What about NFTs? Like, how does the taxation work around that? So there's a lot of stuff that still hasn't been figured out. Um, but I think all of this is, you know, uh, as, and it's on both the exchange side. Exchange has certain things to think about in terms of um, certain tax obligations on them, but also making sure that there's sufficient, like say Robbie says, reporting out to the customers because the customers may also have certain tax, individual tax obligations that they have to meet as well. So hopefully, yeah, good question. Okay, thank you. I have no more questions on this incident here. Okay, uh, thanks guys. Uh, I guess, let's try to wrap it up anyway. So so let me just start first, okay? If we can wrap up like a one sentence or, or what for for our kind of individual risk. I think from, for my risk for the hub spots, uh, I think the risk that I think is predominantly Focus, it will be third party risk, which is your outsourcing risk in short. And how companies can mitigate that or reduce that is whenever they start onboarding uh, or use a new vendor, they need to make sure they fully assess their vendor risk. So it could be by their credit uh, worthiness, it could be by their AML practice. It could be by the security infrastructure. So it's a whole host of stuff, making sure there's a, a robust assessment by risk, compliance, technologies, uh, legals, you know, contractual, and, and basically more oversight on that uh, third party risk. And that's uh, for my risk events. Uh, over to you guys. Okay, uh, for, for, for my risk uh, related to that hacker risk on on the Robin network. I think the first uh, alert that is uh, important about the 51% attack for, for a DeFi platform, and you better manage the the number of the validators, not, not just limited to a few only, so that it, it can have a, uh, for example, 100 uh, validators so that to diversify, to, to, to avoid this, that kind of 51% attack. And also the second part is that uh, when, whenever uh, for, for the Robin Network case, 
because one of the validator, the asset DAO, has a, uh, a gas fee transaction arrangement, but that maintenance uh, whitelist was not uh, updated accordingly after this uh, plan was discontinued. So the, the maintenance procedure for this kind of uh, whitelist should, should be established as well. So uh, that's uh, my, 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 my sum up for, for this incident. Yeah, I, I pass to Brad for, for your incident. Uh, no, I'll just say the, the one recurring message I take away is do your own research. Um, and it's, this spans across everything we do across the crypto space. So um, whether it's onboarding a, a third party, whether it's um, looking at a particular L1 or it's sort of a, you know bridging protocol or whether it's setting up an office in new jurisdiction and being aware of a tax landscape I think um, it, it you know proactive risk management is so essential uh, much more so because everything is so new so complex and and constantly evolving so yeah that's one of the key takeaways I'm always um, sort of pushing out is yeah hashtag the way it was great uh thank you for your time crap and cliff and all your all your views um i guess uh this is uh the time that we have we probably need to um wrap up so thank you uh listeners uh do subscribe and leave us a comments uh we shall see you next time bye bye